This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Eat, Sleep, Arsenal Repeat on the Guna Talk. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Episode 8 of our weekly series in which I'm joined by our brilliant group of guests. No Sophie, unfortunately, this week. Uh, she is very, very busy and hectic and uh, we're certainly with her right now. Thinking of yourself, hope you're doing well and uh, and things improve very soon. Um, we are joined, of course, though, as always, by our other two regulars. First of all, Dr. Raj, how you doing, mate? You good, you well? Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very good. Let me get out of the way quickly. Sponsored by Starbucks. and so <laughs> <laughs> Other coffee houses are indeed available uh, for those out there. But yes, he has a, a strange obsession with it, to be fair. I don't know what it is. He just must love the the design. The, the marketing is really working on Raj from it Starbucks. Um, also joined by Owen. Do you have a favourite coffee house in particular that you'd like to shout out on the show? Or... Do I look that sophisticated that I know much about coffee and stuff like that? If it's if it's warm and, and, and wet, I'll, I'll, I'll drink it. Um, we, I hope we're still talking about the same thing. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what a way to start the show uh drinking his own sweat after a run is what he's talking about <laughs> um but uh yes no uh this is the first time we've had to do the show after well after we've lost a league game um we we didn't do this show when we lost against manchester united earlier on in the season yes we talked about the man city fa cup result but there was kind of it was easy to compartmentalize that one considering we were exiting a competition we didn't really have all of our eggs in the basket of in fairness but yeah. This one hurt a bit more, uh, and I know that obviously it's been a few days since uh, the game, but of course we're still feeling the fallout from that. There's still a lot of questions circulating surrounding it. Raj, how are you feeling now? Several days of reflection later from the defeat. I mean, I, I, honestly, I feel the same as I did then. I mean, Everton deserved the result, so I mean, their their press was one of the best we've seen. Um, extremely well organized, extremely high energy, and you know they were on top of us from the start. I would say, I know people compared it to, like, I saw some comparisons to Newcastle. I don't think it was that because we actually had some decent patterns of play. We're just really, really sloppy. Well, in the first half, I would say we were, we were pretty poor. Second half, 
the patterns of play were much, much better. We settled in, but then the final action was pretty poor. So it, it was just one of, one of those games where, you know, I thought the result was, was, was deserved for them. Even, you know, Everton on their counters were really, really sharp. They had a plan. They were direct. And so, you know, you know, you earn what you get in the league and, and they earned three. So. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And they did earn it. And um, I can tell you that it was a long, lonely drive home uh, after that game. Uh, full round trip on, on Saturday. I was, to be fair, one of the, the few things I was surprised how close Anfield is to Goodison Park because I parked at Anfield and then walked to Goodison Park. Ten minute walk. It's kind of crazy how close the two stadiums are to one another. You know, I, when I emailed the club about parking and they sent back the address of, of where it was. I didn't expect to be driving up to Anfield and, you know, parking there and then Walker's obviously Liverpool playing uh, and getting battered uh, by Wolves that weekend. So they weren't there. But yeah, it's it's stunningly close to one another. Um, I mean, obviously, again, it's, it's not the result we wanted. It's the result that we got. Is this kind of a necessary kick up the backside for this team and maybe a bit of a humbling that we needed? Uh, yeah, potentially. Look, I think that... Uh these results are always going to come, you know, the, there's a reason the Arsenal Invincible team were, were, are so highly held um, by the footballing world. And it's that, you know, losses are inevitable, especially with a team so young um, and so inexperienced as ourselves. But I do think that this was a sort of coming together of um, a number of different um, situations and circumstances that sort of uh, alchemated into this being an, a, a completely brutal situation for Arsenal to go to. Um, everybody knows that Sean Dyche, in a sense, is Arsenal's kryptonite, and not only Arsenal, but a lot of the the big hitters in the Premier League. He's got a relatively good record um, against with Burnley, and that's what this was. This was just a Burnley performance in terms of just being completely combative um, from from the whistle, first whistle. Um, I think they really targeted uh, our areas of danger, our areas of creativity in the side really, really well and nullified them. But also, I think that this was an off game for Arsenal too. Um, I think that uh, one thing that aggra aggravated me is I have no issue with people having an off day. These are human beings at the end of the day that uh, these things are going to happen. Uh, the likes of Ben White, the likes of Martin Odegaard, where the passing wasn't as crisp, everything was a second too slow. Things like that happened. But the part that aggravated me was there's very few things in football that you can control, but winning your physical battles is definitely one of them and let's not get get it twisted this isn't the arsenal of old where you know we were physically frail in comparison to most teams were a big physical and aggressive side now and that's where i was disappointed was that we were bullied and i can't think of one sorry bar one maybe player that held himself to a high standard physically and that was gabriel magalayas um but apart from that we lost every every physical battle um the only thing is is obviously i'm maybe touching that later is that if things like this happen the best thing that you can hope for is that other um circumstances come into play in terms of making this a let off and if you're gonna if you're gonna learn lessons in a season it's under circumstances like that where it doesn't actually impact you too much um if if all the results had a swung different ways this could have been you know a catastrophe in terms of uh, where we want to be at the end of the season but luckily things have fallen in our favour and yeah we've escaped this relatively unharmed um, but I think that 
the boys and potentially Mikel Arteta as well with some of his in-game management. Everybody needed, needed a kick up the backside and I think that's what we got. Do you want to come in? Yeah, I actually wanted to say one thing. I think it was actually uh, it's, it was a necessary step. because if, if you watch how they set up with how Zinchenko obviously drops to overload the middle, Deitch was taking that away and the ball was really slow going to Martinelli. I think the team needed this game to get used to how to get that ball to him quicker. Because if you watch that, he's already, by the time that ball's coming to him, that second man is already near him every single time. And I think that was compounded by Jaka probably having his worst game of the season as well. He was a little sloppy, made some poor decisions. And I mean, his floor is, it was still at a six, six out of 10 for him. That's how good he's been, but relatively. So I think it was actually a good game from a tactical standpoint where sometimes you just have to see that in person and to really adapt to it because Newcastle obviously, you know, had a similar strategy, right? Very narrow, let, let the ball go out wide double. We saw that with Everton again, like probably even more aggressively. So I think um, that that's necessary. That was a necessary step for the team to get the ball out to Martinelli. And he was also relatively isolated if you look at some of the positioning map. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, go on, Owen. Oh no! Uh, I was I was just going to say one thing that I was slightly disappointed uh, about um, that was out of our control. I mentioned like the physical battles is something that that I that I am frustrated at. But one thing I was frustrated at was obviously Sean Dyche is renowned for his housery of 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 the way he conducts himself and and the way his teams conduct themselves in games and doing whatever they need to do to get a win. But I think the officiating almost let too much go. From an early point, there was a lot of off the ball pushes, off the ball nudges, legs being left into tackles unnecessarily, and I think to an extent, the officials could have got that under control a lot earlier because they almost played the game into Everton and Dyche's hands by letting that allow, uh, letting that go. You know, we all know how much Bakayo Saka gets fouled, Gabriel Martinelli gets fouled, but really, everybody was just being kicked off the pitch. Um, uh, and for me, that that I found that slightly disappointing. That um, you know, player player welfare was almost being risked um, just for one team's advantage. Yeah, I was really, really weirded out by the refereeing display. The Everton supporters were really on David Coote's back for a lot of the game, and they felt really um, hard done by the referee in a lot of different situations it was difficult to know whether or not they had a good or bad game because I felt as, I assume bad because, you know, the Everton fans weren't happy. I weren't particularly happy from an Arsenal side of things. Um, either of you think the Gabriel incident was a penalty, by the way? Sky Sports did their ref watch and they kind of all batted it away. I can see why it's not good. I think it's one of those where if the referee doesn't give it, VAR is never going to overturn it. Um, Raj? I mean, the way I think about it is, if it was called the other way, I would be I would mm. be upset about it. So therefore, that's how I think about it, right? And yeah. I would be pissed if it was called the other way. So I didn't think it was a penalty. He was trying to shield the ball. Um, I've, of course, you see contact, but I didn't personally think it was a penalty. Yeah, no, I, I think there's. I think it's probably the fairest outcome. Uh, and when you look at it in that aspect of saying if it's the other way around, yeah, uh, we've seen you know we've seen maybe lighter ones given in other games, and 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 obviously the other way around, harder ones not given. So um, you never know with the consistencies of these uh, referees. Uh, we will hopefully uh, have this game as very much. I've kind of talked about this being every season as a worst game, and I'm hoping that this is that. 
um, I've been that this is the season's worst game and that we only see better performances uh, from this. I think sometimes you need a bit of a humbling. Um, you need a little bit of a kick up the backside, as I've said, and especially ahead of the game against Man City, potentially this is the best time for that to come. But obviously, it's really difficult to talk about the City game because we've got this annoying thing called Brentford on Saturday. And, you know, we're all very much focused. And I think the players are going to be, I hope they're not, but it's difficult to not be distracted by that massive game in midweek. And to know that you then play this game against Brentford, it feels almost like a distraction. It almost feels like it's not a Premier League game because of how important the game that follows it is. But it is really key. And we'll come on to that uh, shortly. Uh, quick word well, on Norm Opey. Oh, Sorry, Raj. Can I ask you one question from mm. what you saw? Because you were at the, you were, obviously you were at the game. The pitch mm. looked terrible on, on television. It was terrible. So I, <laughs> that's what I wanted to mention. Awful. It looked terrible. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really, and six of our nine uh, next league games are all at home. So that's that's hopefully going to be a big positive. But yeah, it was awful, like patchy, dry, mm. it stuck up. Like you didn't. That's why we kept going long to the wide areas because we couldn't get the ball out. You saw so many of our passes, little flicks and things yeah. to get it off the ground because it was so bad. Um, but we can't use that as an excuse, obviously. But you know, it's. Uh, it's part and parcel. You have to win away from home. And we actually have a very good record away from home. I think probably the best in the league. So st- even after that loss. So it is something that we need to improve. As I said, quick word on Neil Mope. I hate him. I, I just hate him. I, I saw him in the mix zone afterwards. He walked past me and I just remember looking at him like, I hate you. <laughs> I just really hate you. I can't stand that guy. He just seems like he's, he's on there just to wind Arsenal players up whenever he plays against us. Um, the thing was in Chenko at the end, I'm, I'm you know, there's, I think a more grounded person might say Zinchenko needs to be more mature in that situation, recognise what's happening and just play on and then deal with it after the game. But I think we did lose discipline at the end of the match a bit. Um, we kind of got suckered into what they were trying to do and and that unfortunately led to us not really getting a good chance in the final moments. We had some chance though in the game and Ketty obviously had that chance in the first half. Odegaard had the chance in the second half that we definitely should have at least hit the target with both of those um beyond that we really struggled to create question marks to think about martinelli and his form dipping should trossard come in the weekend maybe that's something we'll talk about i mean let's talk about it now i mean raj brentford on saturday how much if any do you think arteta needs to tweak this with knowing that city's on wednesday i don't know if he needs to to be honest maybe you know with martinelli but i think the key with martinelli is a question is why is his form suffered right is is it a fatigue Mm. issue or is it more of a tactical issue i so i think that'll be a question for, for the coaching staff. Um, that, I mean, that, that's the main thing uh, to me. I mean, they do have a week off. And then, of course, we know City's midweek as well, right? So part of it you might see if they're if they, if some of the data or they're showing players, you know, have some fatigue, you might see some earlier substitutions. Um, so I, th- I think that will be more of a of a thing as the game goes on to, to, to keep guys fresh for for that match on Wednesday. Indeed. I mean, the other the other one, maybe Ben White for Tomiyasu, some people have suggested, is the other change you could make. I mean, would you do that? This is a, a really, really difficult position to be in, and, and I have no envy of Mikel Arteta whatsoever, because as you mentioned there, I think a lot of people are looking at this game as if it isn't even a Premier League fixture, and that is completely the wrong thing to do. That's such a dangerous mindset to be in. Because the, both of these games are valued at three points. Yeah, you can say you're taking points off City, but at the end of the day, 
it's three points is three points and overlooking a team like Brentford who are in very, very good form. Let's not forget, since Christmas, they have taken points off sides like uh, Liverpool, like West Ham. I think there's other, there, some big hitters, they have stripped points. They're coming off the back of a 3-0 win against Southampton. Um, so they'll have their tails up. Ivan Tony is uh, is in scoring form too. So it's a potential banana skin that we could be completely overlooking. Um, in terms of rotation, I think that, you know, people could talk about form, about the dip of form of Martinelli, the dip of form of, of potentially Ben White as well. But really, I think that it's got to the point where it's unavoidable. There's going to have to be some level of rotation, whether for form or not. The end result's the same. Rotation is going to be needed in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, when you're but that's the good thing now, is that after the transfer window, people can look at, the caliber of player, the amount of money spent on players being not up to their desire or, or, or wants. But at the end of the day, that this transfer uh, or sorry, this Arsenal side is stronger now than it was at the start of the January transfer window. So for me, I look at these games like a Brantford, say for example, and I'm completely comfortable with, with any level of rotation that we do. The biggest thing I think that we may miss now, and I think it was the most evident in that Everton game, is Gabriel Jesus. Um, I think that when you look at a game of chaos where the the entire team is uh, potentially you know playing subpar, that that he's the type of player that can drag you out of those situations. And I don't think players like Eddie and Kadia, um is that type of player. So I think that's one of the biggest misses that we have. But uh, options are good. Options are great. Leandro Trossard is a very capable player, like we've seen. He's somebody that could potentially come in. Tommy Asu has arguably been more impressive than Ben White over these last few fixtures, so there's no issue for me whatsoever. But um, I think it's important that we don't overemphasize the importance of City before Brentford has been handled. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just really difficult not to, um, because obviously <laughs> it is. I was saying the other day, I think it's the, the, the game of the decade for Arsenal. Um, for the last 10 years, I don't can't think of a game more important. People might highlight the Europa League final or the FA Cup finals we won, but the the, the ramifications of Arsenal beating City is so huge, so incredibly huge for this season and what it could mean. Um, that yeah, it's difficult to not rank it, but not rank it above anything else. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, outside of, of obviously the pitch, Raj. We've seen some really encouraging images of, of Gabriel Jesus. He's returned from Brazil where he was doing some rehab. He's running outside. We saw his trainer post some videos of that. Uh, doing some work in the pool I saw as well uh, at Colney. What's kind of your assessment having seen footage and, and where do you think we're kind of at? I mean, it, I mean, it looks like it's been about 10 weeks, I want to say, since post-op mm. since he had surgery. And so I think the original reports are Arsenal report timeline on there, but it was about three months. And so that would make him about two weeks away. So he's probably coming back to really start ramping up to start doing a lot more on pitch work with the actual, you know, Arsenal physios here. So, I mean, it's all, it's all very, very good signs. Everyone asked me for a timeline. There's no way to put a timeline on it. How annoying is it? You must get tweeted every day. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, now yeah. I just put a follow-up as that. I mean, timeline just depends on how he responds. It's impossible mm-hmm. to say because I don't have the information, right? It depends mm-hmm. on how he's responding to things. You can always come back and have a setback if you don't respond well. Luis Diaz comes to mind for Liverpool, right? He was in team training, had a setback, and then he had to have surgery, right? So I'm not saying that'll happen, 
what I'm saying is that you, you can't, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen unless you're the one actually there. And so I don't even try to put that pressure on players. And that's why Arsenal under Arteta have said, we don't want to put timelines on players, you know, just focus day to day, step by step and, you know, and, and see how you progress. Right. And it's all been good, very, very positive signs so far. So it all looks great. I think I think we saw a reason why you need a player like him, like versus Everton, right? To be able to unlock some of those low blocks, he has that that ability to do that. So, I think him coming back obviously is a a, a massive boost. Also, it gives Eddie a rest as well. You're you're going to start having consistent two games a week here coming up, right? So, I, I think it's good timing and overall, and his progress has looked great. And he's a player who's always been in very very good shape, fitness wise, very professional. And that always helps when it comes to, you know, returning from injury uh, quickly and effectively. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I think in these last few games, we've seen how much we've missed Jesus, um, particularly you know, the Everton game. A lot of people talked about how we really lacked the ability to use someone that can kind of beat the low block and Eddie's not going to be on the end of chances and does well to get on the end of chances. But if you're struggling to create opportunities, Jesus is the type that can create himself and, him coming back is obviously going to be massive. Yeah, and one of my main issues with, uh, obviously, when the injury occurred with Gabriel Jesus and we were aware that it was going to be a sustained period of time that he was going to be absent, it was never that Eddie couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. That was uh, that was something that, that I think I had some level of faith in. My issue was always with uh, Gabriel Martinelli and... Kyle Saka was was their um, numbers and output going to drop substantially due to the the lack of link up played you know the deficiencies in in Kadia's game and I think in the initial stages everybody thought Jesus obviously it isn't dropping but now I'm starting to think of was that an injection of enthusiasm and an injection of uh, responsibility being put into the legs of Gabriel Martinelli and, and Bakayo Saka knowing that they had to take on the baton of output for the Arsenal side and they're both very very young players relatively inexperienced in comparison to somebody like Gabriel Jesus and I think that they can do that for a certain amount of time but I think when it comes to the high pressure situations and the high pressure moments that sometimes we might see those players uh, get a little more reserved in those situations so getting them back I think uh, getting, getting Jesus back is crucial I think for this last stretch of the season because when you look, even tactically, at a tactical standpoint, whilst Nketiah has made brilliant improvements, and I don't want to sound like I'm knocking Eddie Nketiah because he has been absolutely fantastic, I think, but in those situations, like we're saying, Nketiah is a between-the-post striker. He doesn't really tend to drift out too wide. He doesn't cause many overloads, whereas that's where Gabriel Jesus absolutely shines. And I don't think it's coincidental that we're starting to see Gabriel Martinelli get you know, marked out of games, doubled up on... I think that... that they're starting to sense that these are the danger men now, whereas when Jesus is there, they look at Jesus with his speed, his pace, his work rate, his ability to get around people, and it just sucks defenders towards that, and that in turn gives space to the opposite wide men. So I think that whilst I'm so appreciative of Eddie and Kedia and what he's done for this Arsenal side, and it's going to be a super hard decision for Mikel Arteta to remove him from the starting eleven, I think it's going to be beneficial to the entire team to get Jesus back as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, we were all talking about 
Jesus has to fight for his place back into the team. He's got to earn that spot again because Nketiah has been so good. But, you know, it is, I think, those games that we had. It is that fixture at the weekend that makes you realise the difference between the two, what Eddie can and cannot do. Um, And I think that obviously playing in those types of fixtures and asking him to be the guy. I remember the game where he first came into the team away at Southampton last season. That was the first start he had when he was asked to kind of take the place of Lacazette. had a pretty poor game. I'll tell you, I stuck with him in the match against Chelsea, which we created opportunities for him. But we really did lack ideas against Southampton. We lost that game 1-0. And I think that there's probably a lot of similarities, ironically, with that 1-0 defeat at Southampton compared to this game um, against Everton. But, uh, yeah, his return is massive. The other one, Raj, is, is Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, I, want, I wanted to ask you about this because I know a lot of fans are getting quite frustrated about Smith-Rowe and these injuries. Obviously, he's come off the back of, uh, the, the groin surgery that he he had to undergo. And we're told that it's kind of a minor thigh issue that he's he's had. Just to kind of reiterate a point that I know you've made before, but it is, I'm right in saying it, it's fairly common to see these kind of secondary injuries happen so close after recovering from a serious uh, surgery. Yeah, anytime you're, you, know, you have a long layoff, um, you can come back and get some overload and, and pick up an injury. You got to be patient. I mean, I, I saw the same reaction when Tomiyasu was you know, took his time getting back, but and now everyone's back on board with them. Right. And so, um, you know, it takes time. You gotta be methodical. You gotta be careful. And, you know, that's why the team have depth is to not rush players back. And I mean, it would be great to have him. He offers a unique profile, but yeah, you got it. You have to have patience. A young player, uh, you know, has a big future at the club. You can't rush him back. We've seen what happens. It can lead to massive knock on effects. So, I, I think you just uh, better safe than sorry. Be proactive about it. Be, and, and tell fans, I always tell fans, you know, be patient about it. So he'll, he'll come back and, and he'll have time and he needs time. So it just is what it is. Yeah, I mean, do you get frustrated with, with Smith Rowe's injuries or is it just a case of, you know, it's, it's just part of his development that he's hopefully with the surgery now overcoming? Yeah, look, I think it's a... Uh... It's just a problem in in general nowadays with people that people have very short attention spans and very little patience, and I think that we quickly forget just how good this kid is and how young he is as well. Let's not forget that. And I think that if you aren't willing to risk potentially even the second half of the season, say it requires that for the potential good that this player could do for Arsenal in the long term, his ability is absolutely fantastic. Whilst I'm not sure whether he's um, physically matured enough yet probably after this injury we'll we'll see that he has but even mentally matured enough to take over that left eight position from granite jacket right now i think that he definitely has that ability uh in the long term and um, and if you were to go out and try and purchase a player with the ability that emil smith row has um <laughs> in today's market jesus you just name your price name anything at all and todd bowley will likely pay it but um I think uh, uh, for me, this is the beauty of having the squad depth that we now have is that we can afford Emil Smith Road that time required to get himself back to 100% fitness um, when, whenever that may be. For me personally, if I was Mikel Arteta, I, I'm not even a doctor. I don't have the information. Okay, Raj is a doctor. He doesn't have the information. So I'm way more, less qualified to make, <laughs> make this statement. If he plays a bit part role coming off the bench for 20 minutes for the rest of the season, I'm happy with that for the rest of the season. If that's what he needs to get back to, to full fitness, then, that, then that's fine by me. 
absolutely. Um, and sorry, Raj, did you want to come in? No, I was going to say, you know, even if he's not playing, him being involved in a Premier League title chase with the team and being around that pressure is still a great experience, you know, for him to understand. Because when you're when you're at the game, at, at the at the games, you can still kind of sense that you know the crowd the atmosphere even though you may, may not be playing i think you can sense what's in the locker room right so there's still lots lots of positives to take away i mean i mean i know people like i'm gonna give it a parallel was like you know martinelli at the world cup he didn't play much but that's still an incredible experience to be around that type of environment and that type of pressure like you still take away a lot from that Oh, absolutely. Um, and look, Smith Rory is, is going to be the first person to understand the pressure on him to, to come back and perform because, and he'll want to, you know, he would have been gutted to have missed as much of what an amazing season this has been. And you think about, you know, where we've got to this point. Smith Rowe has been a massive part of Mikel Arteta's tenure at this club and has really been able to establish himself alongside Martin O'Neill on that left-hand side. And it was, I think, Actually, when he came into the team on Boxing Day for that game against Chelsea all those years ago in 2021, I want to say, um, maybe 2020, actually, um, when he came into that game, it was 2020, December 2020, and he came into that game, that kicked off the the, the, the kickstart, really, for Arteta's Arsenal. And he established himself with Saka on the right and Aubameyang through the middle. Uh, and that was kind of the front three that we had that has now morphed into what we know now with Jesus coming in and starting and Martinelli and Saka. But Smith Rowe, his position may change in the next few years or so, or it may uh, he may be able to compete with uh, with Martinelli. We'll have to wait and see what Smith Rowe comes back and where he's used. But having him back will be such a massive plus for us to have that option off the bench initially and then see if he can, can compete with Martin and if he can take over. Because I think we've seen with Martin and he's dip in form, that there's the door's open. You know, it's not shut off from someone to come in and potentially try and take over in that position. So let's see. Uh, maybe we'll see a response from him when he does indeed return. The last player is, is Reese Nelson. Uh, we're expecting uh, him to be back as well. He's obviously suffered a... A significant hamstring injury, which kept him out from that friendly against Juventus. What kind of impact do you think he can have between now and the end of the season, Raj? It's a tough one. I mean, he was just kind of coming into some rhythm. It mm. looked like, at least, when he got injured, which might be kind of the story of his career at Arsenal thus far. Sure. Um, it, it's so hard to say. I mean, with hamstring injuries, we already know he has you know extensive soft tissue injury history, different than let's say a Mule Smith Rowe, which, which is more developmental. With Nelson, it's been it's been kind of different ones. Um, the hamstring is so sensitive, especially for players who play with pace, and, he, and he's a high pace player as well. So, I think you'll see him integrated at times just to give other players a breather more so. So, I think he can be used in that regard. The impact he can make, um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I think he offers he still offers at least an option on that right side, but I think he'll be used kind of more just to, to, to give potentially Saka, you know, a, a breather late in games when you already have a, a controlled game state. And, and Owen, look, I, I think Nelson obviously has always been a player that it's, it's always been a struggle to see him having a long-term impact at Arsenal, which is a shame because when he first came onto the scene, you know, this is a guy that we were talking about, you know, when he came onto the scene under Arsene Wenger in 2017-18, 
Saka wasn't known about, but we thought Nelson was going to be what Saka kind of is now. Uh, and he was really considered as such. And I think there was, there's been things that have happened. Injuries, of course, has been one thing. But I think he's spoken publicly about how he maybe didn't apply himself in the right way. And he's got regrets about that as well. But I think there is space in this team between now and the end of the season for someone to offer something from the bench or at least give us some rotation or some respite if, if, from respite in terms of Saka. Because on the right-hand side in particular, we are, we are lacking depth behind Saka. So what do you make of Nelson and what's left for him at Arsenal? It's a really tough one because if you're asking me to put the chips on the table and and, mm. and and make a bet on what I expect to happen. I am, yes. <laughs> yes, but that's good. I'm a betting man. We don't advocate betting on this channel. Um, <laughs> but I would be putting my chips on the fact that I don't think that he's going to have a prolonged period, uh, sorry, a prolonged career at Arsenal. But if there's one thing I've learned in recent times is that don't count players out. We've seen it with Granit Xhaka. We've seen it with Eddie and Kedia. Uh, you know, numerous players over the years have have come back from the brink, and I, th- I think my issue with Reese Nelson was the same one that I had with Eddie and Kedia, and the same one I had with Joe Willick, and it was an application and attitude issue. I always thought that when they walked onto the pitch, it was a uh, there was a quote by Stephen Gerrard um, years ago, and he says the problem nowadays with players is that when they make the, their debut, they think that they've made it but they're completely wrong that that's when the hard work really starts. And I think those three players at that period of time really fell into that, that they, they, they presented themselves with a, a swagger that they, they hadn't earned yet. And I think that that has been the biggest change in Eddie and Kedia's uh, mindset. I think that his approach has completely changed to the game and, and his understanding of the position he's in in his career has changed. And I'm hoping that Reese Nelson now sort of pushes himself into that mindset too because there is an opening you could call it last chance saloon you could call it whatever you want whether he's playing for a move or playing for whatever you want to call it the opportunities there games are coming up in the europa league we all know how much impact Bakayo Saka takes throughout matches so you know the likelihood of him being fit for every remaining game uh, for the rest of the season isn't very high so there's, there's minutes there for him to play. It's just what he wants to do with those minutes. Something I think he's been guilty of in the past is coming on and taking the safe option too much. That's something we see with with players in their in the early stages of their career. Um, a lot is to take the safe pass, trying to please the manager by not making any mistakes. But the, the truth is, is that he isn't at that stage in his career anymore. Um, and that we really need to see some level of, of consistent output from Reese. Uh, from the time he comes back to the end of the season to really drive a stake into the ground and and, and make a place for himself at Arsenal. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, this is someone that Arteta does trust. I remember that game against Nottingham Forest. I remember I was there. And when Saka went down injured, I think in the previous game, I think we'd gone to Bodo and we'd used Fabio Vieira on the right wing. And Fabio Vieira was on the bench. And he had the option of bringing on Vieira, but he didn't. He brought on Nelson in that game. And... Until Nelson scored, you know, we weren't looking, you know, I, I think we were 1-0 up at the time. Martinelli scored that header. Um, but we weren't necessarily looking like we got the game in our full control. And Nelson came on and was really, I mean, after half time, he was really, really good and got those couple of goals. 
Um, and uh, that was our biggest win of the season, of course, and probably our most one of our most impressive performances of the season as well, especially in the second half, as I say. So it will be intriguing. I think there's there's scope in like we saw against Everton, that scenario where we lack that right-sided fullback that can overlap, that if you are losing, um, that you can take off White or Tommy Asu and throw on a Nelson and really go for it um, rather than going a like-for-like right-back change that doesn't really change too much. And it's ironic because I was looking back at when Nelson first jumped into the scene. He actually started as a right wing back in Arsene Wenger's uh, back three system. He played on the right-hand side, Maitland-Niles play on the left wing back position. And that was it for a few games um, when he first got in the opportunity to play in the Europa League. So there is an argument why on earth can't Nelson uh, rediscover that potential impact moving forwards. Um, and that kind of brings us to the end of the uh, the main section. We move on to a swift uh, direction to the, the second half of the show, which of course is is questions for the doc. It's only me and, and Owen on today, so he's only got two to answer. Before we do though, and whilst I give uh, Owen a, a chance to maybe think one up if he hasn't done so already, um, jumping over to the Strava group. If you aren't already part of our Strava group, make sure you go to www.strava.com slash clubs slash E-S-A-R-P. That's for Eat, Sleep, Arsenal, Repeat podcast. Um, at the moment, we've got some really good activities going on. Again, I can only apologise for my lack of activity. I need to work out how to log muscular exercises because I'm not going to be doing runs uh, for quite some time, unfortunately. Potentially, I can log walks around the golf course. That might be something I, I need to do as well uh, into that because, yeah, we did 18 holes last Sunday. And I tell you what, we must have burned easily around 800 calories carrying and pulling those trolleys around for 18 holes it's a significant walk so plenty of calories burned I'm hoping but uh, yeah Lee Maddox doing really well 11 activities last week uh, totaling seven hours and 33 minutes of exercise really impressive Scott Newell as well doing four hours 45 and Clinton Hostelster a hot Hostetler that's a hell of a surname um (laughs) four hours of activities as well uh plenty more of you guys as well logging in and getting up the leaderboards, which is always really, really good to see. Last week, uh, Abhishek was top with 11 hours and 48 minutes of activities as well, which is kind of incredible, actually. Uh, So well done to you. Owen, question for the doc. Yeah, so as always, I'm completely prepared. I didn't have to think of this on the spot whatsoever. But (laughs) something that I've experienced, and I think a lot of people experience, doc, is especially in the early days of running, is arch problems with their feet. You know, mm-hmm. whether, uh, and I think eventually it's one of the things that can impact maybe uh, people most in terms of early early stages of running. What causes those things like fallen arch or cramps in your arches? And, and what are the best ways to prevent that from happening? I mean, I mean, best way, honestly, in general, is just is not to ramp up too quickly with your running. So that that's one part. Second part is to actually work on arch strength exercises and, and prepare your feet for exercise right because running i mean certain parts of your feet take nine times your body weight when you're running so which can be a lot of body weight depending on you know on the person so uh being able preparing your feet in the right way with certain strength activities going to be helpful and also not yeah it's not going too intense and ramping up slowly i always tell people you can always add more you can't take away right it's like it's like drinking so same thing Happy, Owen, with that? Oh, delighted. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I know we share some stuff, you know, people are interested, whether it's in the group or whatever it is, right? It's hard to, 
I can't, it's hard to talk about it, but that's, that's, that's the general. I mean, you asked about certain fallen arches and things. I mean, every, every person has a different physical architecture to them. Right. And so um, that doesn't mean one's worse than the other. I'm, I'll give you an example. What people always talk about flat feet, right. And how dangerous mm-hmm. it is. The most injured foot the research shows is a high arch stiff foot. It's not a flat foot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it just depends on the mechanism. It depends on, so every, every architecture is different. And, but what we do know is you can strengthen those muscles. You can, you know, work on your mobility and you can control how much load you're putting through those, you know, your body parts and your feet by uh, modulating and ramping up gradually. So you just very, very quickly in steps, in soles, in your shoes that aren't prescribed by a doctor or an expert what about the the sort of buy your own ones you get from the likes of sports direct or or any sports other sports stores are available but um yeah the, well, are they any good or are they potentially uh doing more damage than they are good well it depends right there's different types some are just like straight cushion if you want more padding in your shoe some are going to kind of be more rigid which going to change the mechanics of your feet i personally don't like to do that unless you've actually been assessed by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, and, and I don't mean a running store. I mean, actually someone who understands mechanics of, of the foot and when it matters and when it doesn't. And so, uh, yeah, I, it, I would say, you know, with, with, with general cushioning insoles, try it, go ahead. If you're trying to change the mechanics of your feet, um, you know, that, that can be a little bit more, a little bit more sensitized. What I'll say is if you, if you buy them and you're having a lot of pain, Stop wearing them. I know it seems obvious, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> People want to just like, no, the pain means it's working. That's, <laughs> that's, I don't know. Yeah, I've heard it all. Same thing with have shoes. Have you seen those um, Same toe shoes. shoes? Have you seen those toe shoes? They're like, um, yeah. they're like, as they're meant to like mimic the idea of you walking barefoot. Um, I saw I was watching a, a mini doc thing on YouTube about them and this guy like wears them for a year and talks about the benefits here. Like it's it's kind of mad, you know, obviously because our feet aren't were never designed to be encased in leather, you know, and, and, and walked around like that. And obviously it's changed the structure of, of how we are. And it brings nice onto that question. And it's again, it's more of a speculative question, Raj, around football boots and, and players and that, because the more that football boot design changes. It, we go more lightweight and more lightweight and more lightweight with the way in which they have these boots. And when you go lightweight with shoes, it kind of um, what you gain in, you know, maybe speeds and improvement of how light footed you are with your movement, you lack then the protection for tackles and impact injuries. Do you think it's worth the trade-off between the two? Uh, that's, that's a tough question to answer. I, I mm. think it depends on, uh, on the player depends on kind of, you know, their preparation, their style of play. I think, I think the biggest issue for me with some of those boots are how narrow they are. It really squeezes your foot into an unnatural position. I mean, you know, proper running mechanics really requires like toe splay, your toes to come out. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I wear, I wear some of the, I wear flats all the time, but I work on my feet a lot. So like, you know, training them. So uh, yeah, the narrowness of the boots is what can really impact players in terms of mechanics. And like you said, with, with some of the lightness, yeah, it's going to offer less protection as well. So yeah, it's, it was really a give and take, right? It's, re- it's really, really a, a give and, and, and take with that. And then, of course, you have, you know, with the cleats, with some of these pitches like Everton, you know, it's, it's a lot of issues when it comes to comes to football 
And so, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a tough one. I think it really becomes player specific in that regard and specific to their foot, their injury history, what they're comfortable with, et cetera. Lovely stuff. Uh, that brings us to an end uh, of today's Eat, Sleep, Arsenal repeat podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, that's tuned in and listened. Again, apologies if Sophie wasn't here this week. Hopefully, we'll have her back uh, next week. Owen, thank you for your time, my friend. As always, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure, buddy. Pleasure, Raj, as always. Um, yeah, you can find me at Owen Young AFC, um, the dodgy spelling there on screen, and uh, also at the Gooners Pod if you want to head over there and subscribe and catch up on all our nonsensical shows. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Uh, Owen's jumping off now to to go and have a chat with the boys as well. So their latest episode should be out by the time this goes up. And lastly, Raj, thank you as always, my good friend, uh, for jumping on, giving us your expertise and thoughts on all of our topics. Tell people where they can find you, mate. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the time. Always find me at Three CB Performance on all social media channels. Uh, I'll try to. I'm actually, you know, we're talking about a lot of foot strengthening stuff and football specific stuff. I'm trying to kind of create. You know online programs for people who want to do that. So I mean, I'll try to share that, maybe preview that, preview that with you guys. Also, two two final Leeds United, by the way, just finished. So, um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just I just clicked over to check that. Uh, very interesting indeed. Um, title race, <laughs> title race. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. We'll be back next week with the next episode. Um, but of course, I'll be back tomorrow morning with another 8 a.m. show and plenty more build-ups to the Brentford game. A fantastic day, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.